We've got some big breaking news. Kike Hernandez is back with the Dodgers. The contract details were just revealed seconds ago. We're going to break it all down. And the Dodgers have traded Manuel Margot to the Minnesota Twins. We're going to break it all down next here on Dodgers Dugout. It's time for Dodger Baseball. And that's right for Dodgers have won it all in 2020. I don't care how many times this team rips my heart out, I'll never stop loving the Los Angeles Dodgers. Think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. What is up, Dodgers Nation? Doug McCain here, credentialed member of Dodgers Media. You can follow me on the X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. Now, if you haven't yet, do me a huge favor. Join the party and subscribe to the number one Dodgers YouTube channel in the game. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Hit that like button. And also, make sure you are subscribed so you're eligible for our next giveaway. And we're getting close to it. Close to 85,000 subscribers. We're giving away a Yoshinobu Yamamoto jersey. All you have to do is make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you comment Yamamania down below. That is all you have to do to be eligible to win. Also, I want all your fire takes on all the news that broke today. What are your thoughts on the Dodgers re-signing Kike Hernandez? Do you hate it? Do you like it? Do you love it? I want all your takes down below. What are your thoughts on trading Manuel Margot? Would you rather have Margot than Kike or vice versa? I want all your takes down below in the comments section. And for all latest Dodgers news, head over to DodgersNation.com. So it's been a very eventful day for the Dodgers in the trade market and free agency. And we're going to start with the big story. And that is that Kike Hernandez has re-signed with the Dodgers. Now, who was the first to report the news? Was it Jeff Passan? Was it Ken Rosenthal? Was it John Heyman? Nope. It was Kike Hernandez himself who went to Twitter and tweeted out, sources say dot, 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 I'm back. First to break news at myself. So Kike Hernandez announces over on the X that is re-signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers and it's on a one-year $4 million deal. That just was revealed a couple of seconds ago. So it was a one-year $4 million deal for Kike Hernandez. And look, we'll start things off by looking at the unlikelihood that this was going to happen because over the weekend, we had heard that there were four teams that were in on Kike here in the end. It was teams like the Giants, the Angels, the Twins, and the Padres. Well, the Dodgers were nowhere to be found. It looked like that was not going to happen, that there was not going to be a reunion with Kike and LA. And then Kike, he posted something on his Instagram story that looked like it was some thank you fans type of post where it looked like he was going to sign with another team. But then all of a sudden, the Dodgers this morning, they traded outfielder Manuel Margot to the Minnesota Twins. We're going to break that down in a second, but it looked like it was going to happen because the Dodgers, they had 13 position players that were going to make that active roster. They need to make at least one space available to have a chance at Kike, and they did just that. So before we talk about Manuel Margot, let's talk about the signing of Kike and what that means because I think when you look at the year he had with the Dodgers last season and the turnaround that he experienced I think it made all the sense in the world. Early on in free agency, I advocated for the Dodgers to bring him back just because of what he brings, not only as a player, but in the clubhouse, but in the dugout. He's a fan favorite. Everyone loves Kike. And look, sometimes you just need that juice. And he's someone that provides that. And just a little rewind here. And kind of getting into where Kike was before he made his return. Of course, after the 2020 season, when the Dodgers 
won the World Series. Kike was adamant to pursue an opportunity where he was going to get a chance to be an everyday player. And it made sense, right? He was still under 30. He wanted to see if he could be that everyday player and sign that bigger deal because that is where the money's at. And in his first year with the Boston Red Sox, after signing that two-year $14 million deal, he had a solid season. He slashed 250, 337, 449, had a weighted runs created plus of 109. So he was 9% above league average in his first year in Boston. Also had very positive grades defensively, playing mostly in center field. Then in 2022, he struggled, was dealing with an injury, was dealing with that hip flexor strain, and he still was good enough for the Red Sox to bring him back. They gave him a $10 million deal. And for that season, he slashed 222, 291, 338, had a 74 weighted runs created plus. So he was 26% below league average. And then in 2023, it was a role that he was not suited for. Trevor's story, he missed a significant amount of time due to an elbow surgery that he underwent the offseason, and they sought to make Kike an everyday shortstop. And there's really no other way to put this. It was a disaster. He grayed out very low defensively, offensively. He struggled defensively, like I just said, a minus six defensive run saved, a minus 12 outs above average. He hit 222, 279, 320, and then he was traded to the Dodgers. And after the trade, he said he was going home. He was giddy about it. He was excited about it. You saw him in that Dodgers dugout the first day, and it felt like the good old days, right? Those warm and fuzzy feelings of Kike Hernandez when he was wearing the banana suit, and he's having all kinds of fun. And this is someone that injects life into a clubhouse, injects life into a dugout. And it's a long 162-game season, and he does that. And too, it's not just for the players, too. He does it for the fans. The fans get excited to see Kike Hernandez. I remember going and covering games after the trade. I mean, his cheers were up there with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and these MVP superstar players because of his connection with this fan base. But there's five reasons why I love this signing for the Dodgers. And the first reason is he is a more versatile player than Manuel Margot. He gives them that coveted positional versatility that this organization loves. This option that they love. And if you look at last season for the Dodgers, he started 11 games at third, eight games in center, eight at short, seven in left, five at second, two in right, and one game at first base. Yes, he was the one guy that was playing over Freddie Freeman in first base after the Dodgers clinched. In his career with the Dodgers, he's played all four infield positions, all three outfield positions. My man has even pitched He's even been on the mound. So it's really cool to see the Dodgers and the fact that they have the best two-way player in baseball and Shohei Otani, okay? I mean, Kike was doing it, but no, okay, of course not, right? But still, Kike Hernandez is someone that brings that position of versatility, and Manuel Margot... He's a very capable outfielder, especially when he is healthy. And he was excited about the possibility of being a part of this team. I had a really good conversation with Manuel Margot a few days ago. And he I don't think that he anticipated this. It felt like he was doing the work and he was putting in all the necessary work to put himself in a great position to be that platoon guy with Jason Hayward in right field and also provide coverage in center field behind James Altman. But look, this is baseball. It's a business. And the Dodgers, they saw an opportunity to, in their minds, improve this roster. And I think they absolutely did that. So with Kike, he doesn't just play the outfield, right? He can play in the infield 
in. If guys go down with injuries, he can provide some depth. At this stage of his career, he is a better outfielder than he is an infielder, but I think that is an advantage to him, and I think that's what makes this move even that much better is because that's where he's going to get most of his opportunities, right? You still have Miguel Rojas, who can provide depth and be Gavin Lux's main backup there at shortstop, who can also play second where Mookie Betts is. You got Freddie Freeman at first. He's going nowhere. Max Muncy at third base is someone who is really working very hard to improve his defense. We also have Chris Taylor, someone who I can see definitely getting a lion's share of the backup reps at the third base spot. So I could see Chris Taylor getting more time in the infield and then Kike getting more time as the backup in the outfield, right? So love the positional versatility. And I think Kike, if he needs to, he is the natural platoon choice with James Altman if James Altman does struggle against lefties. I have all the confidence in the world that James Altman is going to have success this season, and James Altman has proven to be an above-average defender. He isn't a better defender than prime Cody Bellinger, but it's not like he's Jock Peterson or any of these other center fielders we've seen in previous years. He is a well-above-average defender, and that's definitely going to work in his favor. But if he does struggle against lefties, Kike could definitely be thrown into that spot and have success. And Kike actually had reverse splits. His OPS was a little higher against righties than it was against lefties last season. But the defense has grayed out very high in center for Kike Hernandez. And number two, he can excel in this role for the Dodgers, right? I mean, last year for the Red Sox, he was thrusted into a role that he just was not built for. He's not someone who is going to be your everyday player at one position. That diminishes his value, right? Because he is a super utility man. He can play so many positions and they had him as their everyday shortstop and he really, really struggled. He struggled defensively and and he struggled at the plate. In Boston last season, he slashed 222, 279, 320, had a 59 weighted runs created plus, and then that was an 86 game, so pretty large sample size. Then he gets traded to the Dodgers, and things start to look up. The Dodgers had identified something in his swing, and that was one of the big reasons why they decided to make that trade. They bring him in, and immediately he starts to see better results and have more success at the plate. And with the Dodgers in 54 games after the trade, he slashed 262, 308, 423, had a 96 weighted runs created plus in 54 games. So he wasn't league average, but he was only 4% below league average. And you saw the batting average. That's up 40 points. You see the on base up. You see the slug up. But he wasn't awful like he was with the Boston Red Sox. And I think a full year with the Dodgers in this role, I think he could absolutely be an average to an above average bat. Let's not forget, he was probably exhausted playing the everyday shortstop position with the Red Sox. And even though he had more success with the Dodgers, He's going to be in a better position to stay fresh and be able to perform more at the plate. So I think that definitely was a factor that just from a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint, that first part of the season with the Red Sox definitely made it where it was going to be very difficult for him to just get back to where he needed to be. Now, he is coming off double hernia surgery that he had back in October, but I do think he's just in a better position mentally and physically and mechanically to have a much better start to the season and avoid those dry spells. And look, just the numbers back it up. I mean, he just was not hitting the ball very 
very hard. He was not getting the extra base hits. He was just struggling mightily in Boston. I think that had to do a lot with the mental side of not having success defensively as a shortstop and just the fact that it wasn't a very good Boston Red Sox team. This Dodgers team, they're on a different planet, right? They're a team that has World Series expectations, not to get there, but to win there. And you look at some of the other numbers, I mean, with the Red Sox, with the Red Sox, 323 plate appearances in Boston. He had 17 extra base hits. 17 extra base hits with the Red Sox in 323 plate appearances. With the Dodgers, in just 185 plate appearances, he had 17 extra base hits. So he had the same amount of extra base hits with the Dodgers than he did with the Red Sox in significantly less plate appearances. So I definitely think that he's someone that back to his roots here in L.A., and I think that he's in a much better position to have success. On top of that, I mean, he's not looking to be an everyday player, right? He's not looking to be that guy. He's trying to earn himself a spot, a role, right? He's not trying to be your starting point guard or anything like that. This is someone who's like, okay, send me to the bench. I want to be a six-man, right? I am someone who's better suited for that role, and I think that without that hovering over him, he can have much more success. I think that is something that I truly believe just because this organization is going to put him in situations against pitchers and certain lineups and they're going to optimize him better than the Boston Red Sox did. So that's what I love about him. I think he can excel in this role with the Dodgers. Then three, this is big for me. He's a postseason dog. Some people just aren't built for October. When the lights get bright, they shrink. That is the opposite for Kike Hernandez. The regular season, he's an average player. Average, right? Average with versatility. But in the postseason, he raises his game, and sometimes you just can't explain how some players are able to hit in the postseason, but he has a long track record of doing just that. In his career, in the postseason, he has an 893 postseason OPS. He's hit 13 home runs, seven doubles, and 202 plate appearances. Remember the three-home run game in Chicago? How about Game 7, the game-tying home run off of A.J. Minter, where he comes off the bench and hits that bomb to tie that game. The Dodgers ultimately go on to win that game. Belly hits the game-winning home run. They go on to win the World Series. There's a universe where, without Kike Hernandez, the Dodgers' last World Series is still back in 1988. And it's tough to explain how he's able to go up there and have that success, because the Dodgers, they had no answer for A.J. Minter. They were struggling. He was unhittable. He goes up there, and it's a 2-2 count, two strikes, and he's able to leave the yard with a clutch home run. Keektober is a thing. Even last year, he was able to have success in the NLDS. I think he should have been out there earlier, and he certainly proved me right. And you look at Manuel Margot, he has a 753 postseason OPS with five home runs and 89 plate appearances. So he's a better postseason player than Manuel Margot. He's a more versatile player than Manuel Margot. And he's someone that I think brings that postseason spirit that you absolutely need. And when you look at some of the versatility versus lefties and righties, I mean, look, he started 22 games against lefties against the Dodgers, but he also started 20 games against righties. And he had more plate appearance against righties than lefties. So he can hit right-handed pitching. He has proven that throughout his career. And then the fourth thing I love about this move is it gives the Dodgers a right-handed 
hitting pinch hitter off the bench that I think can provide some light, that you can trust to go out there, give you a solid at-bat, and get the occasional home run, get the extra base hit. Let's be serious about this. When you want someone to come off the bench, you want them to go out there and slug, right? If you want the dub, you've got to slug, and Kika has shown the ability to do that. So he's a pinch hitter. He's versatile. He's going to excel in that role, in my opinion. And then also, number five, how about vibes? How about the fact that he's a fan favorite? How about the fact that every single move this offseason, it just feels right. It just felt right to bring back Joe Kelly. It just felt right to bring back Jason Hayward and re-sign Clayton Kershaw. Of course, it always feels right when you sign the best players in Otani and Teoscar Hernandez and going out there and getting Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Those always feel right, but these ones feel really right because I think it's an extension of the past and the guys that really helped build this foundation. Let's not forget that, yes, they have one World Series to show for it, but one of those World Series was stolen for them. They did have a lot of success with that group, and they did that for a lot of different reasons, and one of them was it was a gritty group, a group that went out there and performed on the highest stage, and you still have a lot of those guys in this franchise. You have Chris Taylor. You have Kike Hernandez. Clayton Kershaw is back. Who knows? Maybe they'll go out there and bring back bring back Kenley Jansen, try to get the band back together. But I think this is a tremendous signing, too, when you look at it's a $4 million deal, right? You save money on this deal. And without even knowing it, you would have to believe there's other teams that were interested. The Padres, the Angels, the Giants, the Twins. You would have to believe that they were willing to offer him more money than the Dodgers, but he chose to come back to L.A. Max Muncy, another guy that's been a part of that court. He had better offers out there. Ryan Brazier had better offers out there. The Dodgers are getting these players back back because they love the culture. They love the roster. They want to win here in LA and Kike is the latest example. Now, as far as the manual Margot trades, so it was first reported by MLB.com's Juan Toribio and this was the move they had to make. I mean, if you've been watching the show for months, I constantly got the question, how could the Dodgers get Kike Hernandez? And I told you millions of times, well, if you want Kike Hernandez, you got to free up a roster spot. And the most logical move was Manuel Margot. And the reason for that is, yes, Margot could have had a role for the Dodgers in the sense that he was a platoon option with Jason Hayward, can provide some outfield depth, can have success against lefties, has been an above average glove throughout his career. And yes, he did have those interesting splits where he had more success outside of Tropicana Field, so maybe he would have had some more success at the plate with the Dodgers. But... Margot was the glass now tax. And that's what I've said this entire time. The Dodgers, they got glass now. And the Tampa Bay Rays, they wanted to get off some salary. And they included Manuel Margot. So it's not like the Dodgers went out there and traded for him as the centerpiece of a trade. He was included in the deal. And the Dodgers, they wanted glass now. And they had to get Margot as a part of it. So that's why I thought that he was the most likely trade candidate if you want to go out there and get a Kike Hernandez. Now, the Dodgers also included Rain Duncone in the deal, and they got shortstop Noah Miller. We're going to talk about those players in a minute, but focusing on Margot right now, just a little rewind. The Dodgers traded for Margot and Glassnow from the Rays back on December 16th for Ryan Pepio and Johnny DeLuca, and Margot is making $10 million this season of which the Rays are paying $2 million. So the Rays included $2 million towards that $10 million this season. And had the Dodgers 
bought out Margot's $12 million mutual option, the Rays would have kicked in $2 million to cover the buyout, but that payment wouldn't have been made until August 1st, 2026. So from a financial standpoint, when you consider the fact that the Dodgers are already above that highest threshold, right? They've already surpassed the fourth threshold in the CBT at $297 million, and anything above that is taxed at a 110% rate. So anything above that you're looking at, basically paying more than double, okay? So from that standpoint, it made sense to move off him because Kike is a cheaper player than Manuel Margot. And Fabian Ardai, he tweeted out just a few minutes ago, the Dodgers are sending $6 million to the Twins to help cover part of Manuel Margot's 2024 salary. Sources tell me and Dan Hayes MLB. So the Dodgers are trying to save some money on the margins, but more importantly, they think that Kike is a player that can help them and provide more value than Margot. The Dodgers now are sitting at $302.6 million before the Kike deal. So that puts them at $304.6 million for their CBT payroll. So that's going to be a very large check that they're going to have to cut because of that. And I think for them, it made sense to make this move from that standpoint as well. So, look, Margot is someone that, yeah, he's a nice player. He's someone that could have helped this team, but do we know how he can handle L.A.? Do we know if he can have success in this market with the Dodgers? Do we know that he's fully healthy? That Do we know that that knee has completely recovered and he's the same player he was a few years ago? I think the answer is no, right? And also, he can't play any infield, right? He can't provide depth from the third base, shortstop, second base, first base positions that Kike Hernandez is able to provide. And yes, I kind of hear you out there. Okay, maybe there's some redundancy with Chris Taylor and Kike and and Miguel Rojas, no, the Dodgers realize that injuries are a part of the game. And they also realize that Chris Taylor, who I think has a chance to play a lot of shortstop, right? And I'm not saying that they're going to platoon him with Gavin Lux, but I think that he's going to get a lion's share of the shortstop spots for anyone not named Gavin Lux. I definitely think Miguel Rojas is there for sure, too, but I would not be surprised to see Chris Taylor in there pretty significantly, and also at third base as well, possibly as a late-game defensive substitution, right? There's also a possibility, but Miguel Rojas is someone that offensively is not going to provide very much value with the bat. Chris Taylor, especially against lefties, he's someone that you definitely want in there. So, yeah, I mean, Margot, this is the move that you got to make if you want Kike, and it's a move they did make, and I think it makes all the sense in the world. And we're going to break down the prospects a little later, too. I'm going to drop another episode on that because very interesting prospects, especially Noah Miller, who defensively he grades out as a 65-grade defender. He's been described by Baseball America as an exceptional defender. Only thing with Miller is he doesn't provide a lot of value offensively. And I've seen the Jacob Amaya comparison on Twitter Jacob Amaya, I don't think, reached the heights of him defensively. And I also think that Amaya had some more success with the stick. But, I mean, I think he could maybe go that route, but I don't think it's a truly apt comparison. Also, look, he's very young, too. I mean, if they can unlock him with the stick, this could be something, right, uh, down the line. And 
I think all in all, you're feeling good about that, even if you don't get anyone in return, if you're the Dodgers, right? Just the fact you get off of Margot and you get Kike Hernandez, that was the more important thing. But I think for this organization, they do want to have prospects down there at the minor league level that you can keep off that 40-man roster so you can develop. But we're going to break this down, too. We're going to talk some more of these prospects. I'm going to have a someone on the show that you're going to be excited to uh, hear about that's very well connected with these guys. So be on the lookout for that. But the big news you got to know, Kike Hernandez, back with the Dodgers. Margot, he is in Minnesota. I see some comments out there saying, oh, can't wait to see Kike in the see-through new Major League Baseball pants, the new pants for the uniforms. To that I say, hey, just chill. Relax, okay? Just relax. But I'm happy that the banana is back with the Dodgers. But that's going to do it for this episode of Dodgers Dugout. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Dodgers Nation YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Hit that like button. We might be back a little later and do a live because I want to get your reactions to this. So be on the lookout for that live a little later tonight. My name is Doug McCain. You guys can follow me at X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. Remember, nothing brings us together quite like Dodgers baseball. Until next time, think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out.